0: Hey, this is Darcy Rowling and welcome to the Women 17 podcast, Conversations with Global Women Changing the World, One Sustainable Development Goal at a Time. In each fortnightly interview, we'll learn about these women's journeys, challenges, successes, which SDGs their work contributes to both globally and locally, as well as hear tips on how our listeners can participate in the advancement of the Sustainable Development Goals. Hi, listeners, and thank you for joining us today on the Women 17 podcast. I'm really excited to speak with Katie Duffy today, a fellow American based here in France and a former brand and marketing professional turned theater producer and director. So welcome, Katie. Thank you. Great to be here. Lovely to have you. Thank you so much for uh, joining. So, before we get started, um, as I do with everyone, I'd like to give a little bit of an introduction and tell you a little bit about Katie and and where she's coming from. So, um, Katie is originally from Iowa, uh, but grew up in rural Nebraska. She has a liberal arts degree from the University of Iowa, and before she arrived in France, uh, she lived in New York City for five years where she was a professional actor and now has over 15 years of working experience um, here in France with uh, some of the world's top outdoor apparel companies whose clothes you're probably wearing right now. <laughs> so depending on where you are in the world. So definitely Northern Hemisphere, you're probably wearing some of those clothes right now. So, um, so great, so um Katie, I wonder if you could uh, begin um telling us um how you actually found your way to France from Iowa and from Nebraska
1: um yeah, well, I uh started studying. French when I was in middle school, <laughs> and by the and continued taking it all through university. And uh, towards the end of that process, had an oral exam that I failed. I did not understand a word that woman was saying to me, <laughs> and, and um, I thought, well, I'm just going to go to France. That's I'm going to spend my last semester in France. That's probably the only place where I can learn this language. So I moved here for my last semester of university. And still didn't understand a word anyone was saying at the end of that semester. So I think a lot of stubbornness and determination went into that somehow it was like if, um, if you tell me I can't do it, I think I might dedicate my life to trying to make it happen. Um, Yeah, so that's what got me to France initially. And, um, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: And, yeah. and then did you, um, did you stay on after you finished university? Um, did you stay in France? Do you return back to, to, to the U.S. to finish your studies?
1: So I, I graduated after my semester in France and um, another lifelong ambition of mine besides speaking French had been to be an actor. So I uh, moved to New York and set myself up in that life. Um, And spent five years, as you said, um, working there and also um, studying with a master teacher. And it's my personal life that brought me back to France. Um, This is where my partner and I decided we wanted to raise our family. So we moved back here and it kicked off a big life transition. So... um, I had my first child and went to a mother-daughter coffee uh, with the English language group here. And on my way out the door, one of the members said, um, they are looking for a native English-speaking assistant in the communications department at this uh, international sporting goods company. And I said, that's me. Uh, So connected with the company then, and uh, that was... beginning of a a different journey started working in the sporting goods industry as a communications assistant and it was a good fit Uh, so yeah just worked my way up through the company and was given a lot of good opportunities and had a lot of really great managers
0: Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, so yeah, it's so serendipitous, you know, just that, um, you know, one question or one comment uh, that when you put it out into the universe, it can come back with such a positive impact. Um, so yeah, it's great; it's it changed the course of your life basically, and get you know got you got you a job. So, yeah,
1: absolutely. And when I moved here, I think I didn't feel like without the language, uh, performing arts or theater. Uh, was an option initially you know that's something that's really um, yeah you build a network you build a family you build a vision it's a it's a community that you that you build and I built that all in America and when I first moved here it was more like what am I gonna do and that just felt so right in the moment that I seized it.
0: Yeah, And you,
1: um, so, yeah, and
0: I think that that's, you know, that's what you've got to do sometimes. And then um, as we're going to explore in a few minutes, I mean, sometimes things go full circle and come back to to where it all began. So um, I think when I met you, um, you were also participating. uh, So you had been working in this outdoor apparel uh, company for a number of years. I mean, did, uh, when I had met you already and you were, um, I remember meeting you, riding your bicycle. On your way to um, acting class, so you actually started acting in France in in French. Is that right? In a yeah, in a group with a group. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's correct. Um, so actually, what happened was, and this was kind of how things went full circle. Is I was about twelve years into my career and got a promotion and I'm onboarding someone. And I said, so how are you feeling about, you know, taking on this role? And So I was onboarding her into my previous role. And she said, this is my dream job. And I thought, huh, wow, (laughs) no, I really liked that job. I did, I I had worked with great teams and it was interesting, but I thought that was not my dream job. And I hung up the phone and I thought, "Uh, hmm, now, wow, what do I do with that? I had a dream once, I had a passion once, and I got online, and I thought, okay, you know, acting workshop for adults in ANSI, and I landed on the conservatory, so in ANSI or in France, you have these conservatory theater programs, and they had a class, and I um, went, and it was also, again, another serendipitous moment, because they were... um, Accepting adults into their cycle three certification program, which doesn't happen in this country. So artists, if you haven't decided to be an artist by the age of 26, it's over. Um, But luckily, there was a new director and she was looking for people with experience to integrate the program. So, yeah, I went into the conservatory program and after three years left with a certification. So got my confidence in acting in French, loved it because it was just a great environment, but walked away with um, a network and a community and uh, it was it's it was a great experience and what does thank you for sharing that what what
0: does the certification enable you to do is it an acting certification
1: that enables you to work in the performing arts well in so i think because i already had a diploma i already could have looked into teaching theater in france Um, But I think that what the certification does um, is open some doors, for example, going to go back to school This coming fall i'm I'm enrolled at Trinity College Dublin in their MFA program and I think that having a certificate from the Conservatory in France really contributed to my um, gaining access to that opportunity right.
0: understood yeah uh, that's great and I
1: will we'll, uh, make comment
0: here that the conservatory is all in French so um, uh, did you ever go back to your um, French teacher who failed you on the oral exam? <laughs> say,
1: oi, look at me now, I'm acting in French, working in French. No, (laughs) no, I didn't. But, um, you know, I probably earned that F. So it it was not against that person in any way. Um, But certainly, it's actually when I was applying for Trinity, and I looked at my transcripts, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I got an F in French. Uh, What I thought that is so me to go from getting an F to moving to the country and mastering the language. That is just like tell me I can't do it. Oh, I have to look out for. By the way, I love that. Okay. I love that. But you
0: <laughs> know, France does, and French begins with an F, so
1: you were headed in the right direction, <laughs> right? Um, no, but that conservatory program gave me so much confidence that now I really feel like okay, I can do this. I can act in French. I can direct in French. I can work in this community. It really gave me a lot of confidence and it's, it was a great program. The director is, uh, they're very lucky to have, uh, the teachers and staff that they have. And I was lucky to, to do it. That's so. great. Well, yeah.
0: congratulations. And certainly congratulations on, um, starting your new degree too. Um, uh, it's in, when will you start in January? When are you kicking? Off?
1: I started in, in November.
0: November. Yeah. So I think I have two weeks. Fantastic. I'll enjoy it. (laughs) Uh, Get back to the books. So, um, so one of the one of the many reasons that I, I reached out to you to participate in um, Women Seventeen podcast is because of a recent play that you debuted. Um, so I kind of want to shift the conversation to talk about the Wolves, which is a play about teenage girls, uh, suburban teenage girls that are on a soccer or uh, football team. Uh, if you're if you're not American, we we call it football. Um, um, and the the wolves is written by and correct me if I'm uh, mispronounce her Katie it's Sarah Delapé, it? I think it's Sarah Delapé. Okay, now I'm, I'm trying to add my French flares oh. to
1: it. I don't <laughs> know her, so um, you could be right. I could be right.
0: Uh, okay, well I wanted to say it in a French way, but anyway, okay. So um, and. Uh, I, I think what's extraordinary is that you actually, you know, um, and you, I want you to share with us about why you selected this play, but that not only that you translated it from English to French, you also directed and you produced it. So, so maybe if you could just walk us through, like, why did you select this play as your debut play? And um, yeah, just share with us a little bit about the the play itself. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Uh, great. I would love to. Um, Well, when I finished the conservatory program, um, I knew that I needed to find a project now. I wanted to really start creating opportunities for myself to stay active and doing what I love. So I wasn't necessarily thinking in a professional direction, but I wanted to keep stimulating myself in that way. And, you know, I always say to my daughter, who says that she wants to be an actor and she wants to work in movies, I've always said to her, you know, so start making movies, so get your friends together and just start acting, you know, just, just start doing it. You know, what you do is, is what you will end up doing. And um, so I was looking for a project and I've stayed um, very abreast of what's happening in the theater scene in the U.S., I read the New York Times Theater section. I'm just, I love to know what's going on there. I'm, I'm actually way less informed about what's happening in France in regards to the theater. Um, And I had read about this play in 2017. And I thought, huh, that is really interesting, a play with 10 women, 10 female parts. Um, There was kind of a quote from so the New York Times loved it, they raved about it. There was a quote from the playwright saying that she had really wanted to find Uh, in this ensemble piece, like 10 unique voices where none of the girls were the girlfriend, none of the girls were the sidekick. They all had their own unique individuality. And I thought, you know, with my context at the conservatory, I could cast that play. Like I was in a class with high school students and um, young, but, you know, up to the age of 25. So I thought, I'm going to read that because I could actually find the actors to do it. And that's how I kind of the journey got started. And then once I read it, um, it just resonated with my own experiences, my life, what I, things I wanted to explore with my own daughter. So, yes, I did translate the play or worked on the translation, but it's important for me to point out uh, that Tess Penna, my daughter, and Marie-Auralie Penna Rubia Marcos uh, were my collaborators. So they are both uh, native French speakers. So I would say I was responsible for the adaptation Um, And making sure that the translation that the two of them would contribute was very loyal to the original text. And uh, so uh, shout out to them. Uh, Yeah, but that's the play just really spoke to themes in my own life and things that are close to me. And I thought for a first project, that would be really exciting. Yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah. And yeah. And kudos to, to Tess and, um, and I'm sorry, I didn't catch the other woman's name. <laughs> yes. Congratulations to them. That's a, that's amazing to have that opportunity to do that kind of translation work. Um, and then certainly something that they're passionate about, um, and as such. So, so I wonder, um, you know, the play, um, in, is focusing a lot on gender equality and there's gender issues and um, uh, that would be sustainable development goal number five. So maybe share with us a little bit about some of the themes that, uh, that the play, um, or maybe you could give us maybe an overview of the play and then some of the themes that uh, attracted you to it and, and pull out a few of those
1: out, please. Yeah. Um, so the play is a dramatic comedy um the not, there are nine actors on stage almost hundred percent of the time. They are constantly talking talking over each other. Um, and each of these young women is really trying to define who she is is, is as an individual uh, within this group um, and within the broader context of the world. So you really see them in their own individual way. Um, you know, you come to love them and and how they are confronting the world. Um, some of the tribes that I found, you know, really spoke to me, are you know how some young women really want to grow up so fast. Um, they just you know can't wait to be adults. And then there's this you know others who are forced to grow up fast um, and assume that responsibility, or even others who really fight it tooth and nail. I'm not growing up. I'm not growing up. So I loved seeing how each of them was going at a different speed. Um, In terms of the, the team itself, they are winners. They are number one in their league. They are in amazing condition and it's very, I liked how the author chose to make them so what, Sorry, I'm going to stop. So these girls are winners. They are number one in the league. They are driven. I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast, but they are badasses on the field. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Yeah. And they don't have a coach. You know, they're... Their sports dome is under construction constantly. We don't see another adult in this play until the end. Um, we really get the feeling like this pack of wolves is learning how to survive by themselves. And uh, they're doing a good job of it on their own, but they are they don't have an infrastructure behind them. And that theme for me was... Uh, a really interesting parallel to how we can sometimes speak about gender issues and how it can often be more related to structural issues than any real one person or one thing. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a, I, I agree with you. A very interesting. And I, I'm, 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 you've mentioned tribes. So I'm one, and and the name of the play, of course, is the Wolves. Why is it called the Wolves? And why did you just say tribes? So, what's that link there with regards to the play?
1: You know, in the play, this tribe is the team. So it's the tribe that they've somehow chosen from a very young age, um, and how it's really shaping them. They have to within this group uh, navigate um, and grow within that specific hmm yeah you're you're touching on something that we only have the I only have the question I don't have the answer Darcy (laughs) I think that's why I chose the play is because it puts the question out there what is this role that tribes play in our lives why is it so hard to integrate a tribe when you're on the outside why is it so hard to get away from the tribe when you're on the inside how does it feel to be exiled from Mm -hmm. the tribe I mean I think what I'm looking for in the theater is not so much the answers I'm more looking for what are the questions this play is asking and and how are we going to address those?
0: Yeah. And particularly, I think uh, for young adults, I mean, these are, I mean, uh, grown adults also, but um, young adults, I mean, it's, you know, it's finding your place and, and uh, coming of age and, you know, just really trying to navigate the um, myriad of challenges. Um, And funny enough, uh, at least for me, I don't know if it's the case for you, but those challenges that I perceived in those tribes or, what have you, you know, the older I got, the less important they were, but I guess they've morphed into other tribes and other, you know, other things in the workplace or wherever it might be, but, uh, you know, it kind of morphs, but, uh, but I thought the center of my gravity was right then in there at at that young adolescent age um, for
1: myself and my tribe and not being in a tribe. Yes. And I think that another question that is addressed by the play is like, why are those relationships that we forge at that age how is it that they are often the ones that last our whole lives you know this this rite of passage that we go through and the people that we go through it with remain so important to us and really shape who we are and how we see the world and we we see that in the play it's very touching and you know they go through i don't want to give away the the, the story, I really highly recommend you read it or try to see it, but there is a loss in the play. And we see that the tribe also is so important in them being able to heal from that loss and understand that, that we know a man is an Island. You know, we need also those tribes and, and to transcend them at some point in our lives, as you say, as an adult to move beyond that. And, and, um,
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, but they shape, they certainly shape us.
0: Surely, of course, yeah. Well, I—I'm wondering just uh, so the 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 actresses. Um, so it's nine young uh, young actresses and one adult. Is um, I'm wondering what their reaction was in uh, being actresses or actors in this play, and wondering what their thoughts are um, on those themes. And did those themes? Um, resonate with them? Um, Did they say, oh, this is happening to me, this is relevant to me, or I have a friend that's experienced this? I'm just wondering, you know, what was your feedback from the young actors?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, in particular, there was one actress, you know, it was closer to the end of our rehearsals as as we were getting ready to go up, and she said, this play has everything. You know, it really had all of these issues that they feel confronted with were somehow in there, whether they were fleshed out or not. Um, you know, I take an example. One of the characters, it's not—it's ne- never said, but we are led to believe that she is suffering from an eating disorder. And, um, you know, in parallel, one of the actresses had a friend who went into hospital with anorexia. And... You know, these themes are universal. This play is an Amer- written by an American, but I think in, in the developed world, uh, we're all confronted with our own humanity. And the play really has these these uh, these themes that resonated not only with, with the actors, but also with myself. And I think with our audiences, you know, we had um, a lot of tears in our audiences and a lot of laughs. And I, I really felt like the French audience connected.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah,
1: you please. Know, sorry, funny enough is that um, the smaller themes of the play, so maybe they're, I wouldn't even say they were themes, they're more like details, which were very specifically American. I had to explain those to the French actresses. So they didn't understand what it meant to not have universal health care they do not understand what it's like to not have access to inexpensive higher education or access to family planning resources so those things i would have to go into into more detail about but the the universal themes yeah, we were all on the same page. Yeah,
0: I don't know whether to laugh or cry about
1: that. I mean, that's a, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's a, certainly a very unique American, you know, perspective with regards to that. But it's also a great learning experience for these young women um, that they're learning about, you know, other cultures and understanding and appreciating their own and you know what we have here in France, for example, having healthcare, um, which is not tied to your job. So we're not going to we're not going to cool. make this a political conversation. <laughs> No, <laughs> let's
1: not. Let's not. But I would say one of the important takeaways for me for the French audiences was protect those mm. basic rights. Yes, you have those basic rights, but I felt like the girls, the actors, sorry to call them girls, my actresses, my, my girls, I felt like sometimes um, one of my messages to them was do not take this for granted. Mm. So I had to raise the stakes on how important it is to have those things. Yeah. No,
0: absolutely. Um, I I'd love to if you could just comment on uh, the performance itself or the performances themselves because they just happened a a few weeks ago. Um, And just if you could share, you know, how that transpired. We're in the time of COVID. Um, You know, I think people would be surprised that you were able to put on a play um, in this time when people need to be protecting their, you know, their health and their safety. So maybe if you could sort of comment on how that transpired. and how how it worked.
1: Yeah, well, it's an outdoor festival, first well, off. There you so, go. So <laughs> um, I think that's why they were allowed to, to continue to have that festival. At the time that it was decided to go forward, I think there was also a decrease in cases. So we weren't in the same context, necessarily. Um, the festival, so the Coup de Théâtre, uh, which is led by Agitateur de Rêve, so a shout out to them. They spent the month of August writing I don't know, 50 pages of hygiene measures to put in place, um, which they followed through on. Audience members had their temperature taken when they arrived. They gave their contact information in case they needed to be contacted after the fact, if there was ever a case that had been declared uh, that was in the audience. Uh, Groups were seated separately from other groups. So you were, um, there was a certain amount of social distancing that was respected. They reduced the number of people who had access. So they, uh, oh, and of course, the audience members wore masks. The um, the actors did not, but audience members did, as well as the people working there. And um, we managed to pull it off. And actually, they um not a single case case of of coronavirus was was uh, declared or was part of that that festival. So afterwards, they've not had a single they've not had to follow through on a single mm. contact. So that was. They were successful in doing it, and hats yeah. On. Well, I think that's really great. I, you know, I mean, right now, of course, so
0: many um, industries are are being affected by the coronavirus. I have a cousin um, who is a stage manager, a young stage manager. She's just starting out in her career, and you know, it's really frustrating in not being able to have that opportunity to work right now. And I think the measures that you've just described, almost like pods of people that are you know group you know closer together, so. Um, and that contract tracing and temperature and all of that it, it and it's outdoors it does show that we can um with the measures and if people adhere to them we 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 can still continue to have um you know theater um i think that's a i that's a great example i'm going to share this with her um to see maybe if she can move the dial a little bit of course it depends depends on the weather too <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, every, we had to adapt the play or the production to to suit an outdoor venue. So it was, it was an interesting directorial challenge as well. The audiences, I have to give them a big kudos. They were on the edge of their seats. They were so attentive. You could just feel this. People are, they were so happy to be back in a community, back exchanging. You know, there was a really amazing energy in the in the city the two nights that we we performed so it was very very emotional people were really in tears and I I think it was partly the play but I think it was partly just this coming back together again yeah yeah well I think that that speaks uh, very much to um sustainable development
0: goal number three which is good health and well-being I mean we've been you know cramped up in our homes and really haven't been able to to see much of the arts or each other except for your immediate family so um so yeah I'm sure there was I was all tied up together with uh that emotion of just being in a community again like you said so um so we're almost at the end of our interview and um, so I'd love to ask you this question I I ask um, all of the, um, the women that, that come on the podcast, what advice would you give other women who are keen to get back to their, their roots? And, you know, you've gone full circle from where you, you, you started. Um, what would be some advice that you would uh, share with uh, whether young women or women that are, um, you know, in their mid-career that are looking to make that change to go back to their roots?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. Good question. It was, um, you know, I really think for me, it was taking those first small steps in the direction that I want to go. And then things start to gain in momentum. And I'd like to share um, a couple of resources that I use to kind of help me navigate which direction do I want to go? And one of those is a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And that had been recommended to me by a master teacher I had in New York. His name was Michael Howard. And it's just a, it's a book of exercises that really is great at helping you, you know, kind of point the needle in the direction and get back to, you know, what it is that you do or what is your calling? What, what calls you? And the second Uh, thing that really helped me get going was um, Debbie Millman. She's been nominated as one of the world's most influential designers. And she has this exercise that she spoke about. I actually heard her speak about it first on Tim Ferriss's podcast, which I also love. Um, writing the 10 year plan for your life, for a remarkable life. And I really feel like those two exercises helped me start taking those small steps in the direction I wanted to go. So just a little bit every day, a little bit every day. I didn't, you know, quit my job and join the circus. You know, (laughs) I, I really have spent the last four years um, just taking small steps. And, and I I feel like that's, that's what I would tell my, my daughter, my own children.
0: Uh, that's great. Yeah.
1: And thank you for uh, shouting out uh, the book and uh, the other podcast.
0: Um, you know, I think that we all can use a lot of various resources as we're on this journey. Um, and I think what what you just shared, you know, it, it, it seems to maybe from other people, it seems like it was a very quick journey. You know, wow, she just moved, you know, quickly uh, left her job. And now she's an actress and producing and directing, but actually you had plans and you had put this into motion um, in, in incremental steps while you were at the conservatory and so, and, and so forth. So you've been, you've been planning this for a long time.
1: Well, and it doesn't, didn't feel planned either. It really felt natural just doing what I loved on my lunch hour, getting the wolves out, reading it, working a little bit on the translations and, you know, just little steps every day that culminated over time. It just kind of was like a wave and that started to crest. So it's, a uh, yeah. I really think that's, um, yeah, how it got it going. Yeah. And let's see where it goes. I feel like I'm still at the beginning of this new life journey.
0: And what what is next? What's the next? Um, are you going to be uh, performing The Wolves again?
1: I That is my intention. I feel like this play um, still has legs. Uh, so I am um, looking for opportunities, um, more festivals. Right now we're looking at the at different amateur festivals that are happening over the course of the next year. Um, And we'll see, maybe at some point, um, I try to transition it into a professional production. Um, But the play also has a life of its own. Sometimes I feel like I'm just accompanying it. Um, so let's see uh, what opportunities arise but yeah I want to keep it alive
0: fantastic well look Katie thank you so much for making the time to join us today and sharing your journey and um, uh, your efforts in your debut play and um, you know your journey I, I think one of the takeaways that I come away with is as you said at the beginning stubbornness but I would say perseverance is probably where I would go and um, And I have to tell you one funny thing about me that, um, which I don't know if I've ever shared with you, but I actually had French in grade school, excuse me, in middle school. I did so poorly in French, I ran away from it as far as I could go and decided when I went to university that I would um, study Chinese. Because, well, why not? But I had an affinity to Chinese. Um, and so um, so here I am full circle where I'm like, okay, I'm back at French. I'm married to a Frenchman. I live in France. And so I'm going full circle back, um, begrudgingly, but, uh, but coming back here. I wouldn't say it was my passion, but, uh, but um, I'm determined now and um, inspired by you after your F. So I'm going to go for it <laughs> to work on my French language. So thank you for that kick in the pants.
1: Oh, I love it, Darcy. I'm, <laughs> I I have full confidence in you. Oh, thanks. Uh, just thank you so much for this opportunity. And I am so honored to be in the company of the other guests I've listened to on your podcast. I, wow. Great. But what an Thank you. Thank
0: you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, And I'd love to, of course, thank uh, our listeners uh, for tuning into the Women 17 podcast conversations with global women changing the world one sustainable development goal at a time. Um, I welcome your feedback from today's podcast and wish you a happy, safe, and productive day. Thank you. I'm